Please join me in the prayer for illumination. Let us pray. Almighty God, enlighten our hearts and minds to see you at work in the scriptures. Restore in us the compassion we see so clearly in the ministry of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our scripture today comes from Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 26. Hear these words. One day while he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting nearby. They'd come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. Just then some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a bed. They were trying to bring him in and lay him before Jesus, but finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. When he saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven you. Then the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, Who is this who's speaking blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their questionings, he answered them, Why do you raise such questions in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Stand up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the one who was paralyzed, I say to you, stand up and take your bed and go to your home. Immediately, he stood up before them, took what he had been lying on, and went to his home, glorifying God. Amazement seized all of them, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen strange things today. The word of God for the people of God. So we're in the third week of a four-week series looking at cultivating compassion. We have um, kind of in the beginning of this series thought about the movie Wonder. Uh, Wonder is a movie about Augie, a a boy with um, facial deformities and uh, difficult disease has required a number of surgeries so that he could uh, be able to breathe and to see and to hear. Um, Wonder is a, a great movie uh, about being able to see differences and to find compassion and kindness for ourselves and for others. In fact, I've been pushing this movie so much lately that I know some of you who have rented the movie, watched it all the way to the end, you've told me I owe you a box of Kleenexes. So, <laughs> sorry. Um, I, we have an agreement at our house, it's called the Old Yeller Principle, um, that anytime there's a dog in a movie, watch out, right? <laughs> There's a dog in this movie. Um, anyways, it's really a beautiful movie. Uh, well done. Um, uh, it is a story about Augie who has been homeschooled for most of his life, and that now that he's into middle school, <clears throat> his parents decide that now is uh, as good a time as any to help Augie kind of integrate into the rest of the world. And so they uh, decide he's going to go to public school. And, and Augie is really not excited about this, but this movie is the story of kind of how he um, enters um, uh, public school, how he makes friends, how, um, how he has to endure some hardships and difficulty um, all along the way. 
Now, if you've watched the movie, you know that, that halfway through the movie, you think you've got it down. You've figured it out, right? You, you know that the arc of the story will be such that Augie at the end will turn one of his weaknesses into a strength and, you know, wow the whole uh, school, and that everyone will carry him on their shoulders out to the next celebration. But what's fascinating about this movie is that it doesn't necessarily do that, or at least it doesn't do it in the same direction that you might assume. Uh, really what happens is midway through the movie, <clears throat> his older sister, uh, Via, Via um, begins to talk, and she talks as if this is the beginning of the movie. And what you find out real quickly is that she is telling the story from her perspective. It's easy to kind of watch the movie and to see Augie far off, and, and he gets better, and he, he makes friends, and everybody loves it, right? But it's far different when you start considering the other points of view in the movie around Augie. Uh, uh, his sister begins by saying, August, uh, Augie, is the sun, and my mom and my dad and I are the planets that orbit the sun, and that everybody else in our life are the comets and the asteroids who come in and out of the solar system, but Augie is the sun. And then she goes on to talk about her experiences. In fact, why should I tell you about it? Let's roll the clip and you can hear it for yourself. August is the sun. My mom and dad and me are planets orbiting the sun. But I love my brother and I'm used to the way this universe works. My mom says that on my fourth birthday, I wished for a little brother. And when he was born, it only took me a few seconds and I was all over him. Can you hear me? If they stare, let them stare. You can't blend in when you were born to stand out. I've never asked my mom for help with my homework. I never needed my dad to remind me to study for a test. I just did most of my studying in waiting rooms and hospitals. Mom and dad would always say I was the most understanding girl in the world. I don't know about that. I just knew my family couldn't take one more thing. I know my family loves me, but ever since my grandma died, my best friend Miranda is the only person who knows me. She goes on to tell the story of how Miranda snubbed her. But what's interesting is that over the next, um, over the rest of the movie, you hear about everybody else's perception of the story. That it's not just centered around Augie and his experiences, but we find out that Miranda snubs Via because of something difficult that happened during the summer. We find out that Jack Will, who is Augie's uh, soon to be best friend, is the way he is because of his home life. And because of what we learn about his home life, we begin to love Jack Will even more. That in the midst of all that's going on with Augie going back to public school, Via actually meets a guy and is excited about it. She can't really tell anybody because everybody's focused on Augie. I think what's powerful about this movie is that the different perceptions that we begin to see 
create more closeness for us with the story. It's so easy to say, oh, look at Augie with his difficulties that are nothing like mine. And look at Augie get better, and he does so great in school. Yay, tears, go on to the next movie. But what happens with the new perspectives that we gain, we begin a little bit closer to the story. We, we get a little bit more um, uncomfortable. We get so much more closer to the story that the story begins to speak to us and about our difficulties, our wounds, the things that we carry with us. Our scripture passage today is a wonderful story about four men who carry a paralytic man to Jesus. Now, what's interesting about the story is that the Bible doesn't say anything about whether the four friends knew the paralytic man, never said anything about whether the paralytic man <laughs> agreed to be carried to Jesus. Could you imagine, right? Uh, so the four men pick him up, uh, NRSV says bed, I like mat better, right? Pick him up with his mat. Now, now the mat was used by those who begged um, to kind of put it out. Um, they put their mat out by the city gates. And if you got a really good spot, you'd get good traffic and you'd probably make some money that day as you were um, panhandling. And so imagine as these four strong friends come and pick this man up on his mat and carry him out to the countryside. Wait, wait I had a good spot, might be what the paralytic man had said. And then as they get to the house where Jesus is teaching, and the house is surrounded by people, there are people hanging out the windows, there are people paying attention to what Jesus is saying, the men decide to climb up on the roof. Now, go with me here, there, were always, there was always an outside ladder or staircase, because in these, uh, this time period, uh, ancient Near East, you need to be able to get up on your roof to be able to repair the tiles or the patching or the thatching. And so... You know, now they're carrying the paralytic man up to the roof. I can imagine him saying, hey, I don't really like heights, right? <laughs> and when they get to the roof, um, so most ancient Near East homes would have had a hatch that you could have gone up through, um, again, to maintain your roof. If it was an organic living thing, you'd want to be part of that. But um, the scripture says they dug through, which I think is true. What they did had to do is dig through so that the hatch would be big enough to place the paralytic man through. Could you imagine the paralytic man being uh, lowered down uh, right in front of Jesus in the midst of his teaching and lecture, in the midst of a, um, an audience that is wrapped with attention, and here comes a guy on a mat coming down. I, I wonder, again, the Bible says nothing about the paralytic man saying, hey, you four people, carry me to Jesus. But instead it looks much like a story of four men said, huh, you need Jesus, let me carry you there. It seems interesting that it might be similar to our attempts at evangelism, at inviting friends to come to church, right? I'm gonna pick you up at this time, be ready. And I'm gonna bring you into a whole room of lots of people who you don't know. And I'm gonna make you sit in the front because that's where I like to sit, so that you can be closer to the preacher because that's the good seats, right? <laughs> I didn't wanna go, right? I, I think the story here, right? We love to talk about the story. I love this story because when we um, uh, talk about what it looks like to be a mature disciple at Chapelwood, we say that one of the things we want Chapelwood to be like is that when life goes sideways at two in the morning, that you can call four friends who will carry you to the foot of Jesus at two in the morning. You know, it's interesting how much we are willing to do for others, for strangers, 
to be ready, right? Preacher, I put my cell phone on, uh, I took it off of night mode so that at two in the morning I can hear if somebody calls me so I can carry them to the food of Jesus, right? I mean, we are literal in our help of others because we want to care for the stranger. But I wonder, what is it like to be that paralytic man? What is it like to be the four friends who have carried him uh, to the foot of Jesus? As the story goes on, uh, Jesus is challenged by the scribes and Pharisees that are there. Um, Jesus says, your sins are forgiven, which is a pretty controversial thing for anyone to say in that time and age. And the scribes and Pharisees say, how can you do that? And Jesus says, essentially, what is easier, to make this man, to make this man walk or to forgive his sins? I just want a little bit of an aside here, right? Because, you know, if I had to pick between those two, if I was in the hot seat, well, I don't know. Sounds like forgiven sins would be smarter because there's no visible, you know, issue there. Uh, you can say, well, I did. Well, and the paralytic man says, I didn't feel it. Well, you weren't feeling in the right place, right? I mean, like, you know, but to, but to have the man stand up and walk, that's like a pretty immediate evidence needed. Now, the truth of the matter is that forgiving sins is much more difficult, but Jesus knows his crowd. He forgives the sins and then asks the man to stand up and walk. This is a powerful moment in the story. And if you look at the NRSV, he says, um, your faith has made you whole. I wonder whose faith. Was he saying, your faith has made you whole to the paralytic man who is now standing and walking home? Or does he say, your faith has made you whole to the four friends who carried the man to the foot of Jesus? It's an interesting piece. Whose faith will make us whole? I want to um, encourage you to think about this story, not just in the typical sense, not in the typical sense of, oh, look, paralytic man got better. That's great. We should be the people who carry people to Jesus, whether they want to or not. But instead, to think about what is it like to be the paralytic man? There's an exercise on the, uh, in your bulletin, part of the text to read and things to do. Um, it has you uh, sit down and journal for a little bit. You journal about um, what would you do if your friend was in trouble? I mean, best friend, important friend, whatever might be wrong with them, what would you do? And you write out all the things that you would do to care for your friend. The second part of the exercise is to think about yourself, that if you were in the same circumstances as your friend, what would you do to help yourself? What would you do to uh, nurture, to care, and to comfort yourself in those circumstances? If you're like 90% of the human race, you'll find that um, we will do for others more than we'll do for ourselves. That we are great practicing compassion and kindness for others. I mean, we will get so excited over something that goes viral on Facebook, but forget to take our own vacation in the year, right? We, we will get so excited about caring for others who are suffering that we'll forget to take the time when we're sick to heal and to restore. It's interesting. What if we made the same pivot that the movie Wonder does? What if it's not just about the paralytic man uh, and the way in which Jesus heals him? What if kindness and compassion have to start at home what if we have to get to the place to where we're willing to see ourselves in the way that Jesus sees us so that we might rest, so that we might be restored, so that we might be healed? Pastor Josh did a great job uh, last Sunday talking about the baggage that we carry, 
right? I, I wonder how much of us, uh, we, we're, we're great at inspiring other people to let go of their baggage, to stand up and walk, to take their mat, and to go do what Jesus has called them to do, but we rarely ever say those words to ourselves. We're, we're struggling, maybe not even just carrying our own baggage, but we're, we're carrying the baggage of those around us who we've convinced to go see Jesus. It's strange but we tend to be harder on ourselves than we will be on others. That, that somehow we feel like um, our sins can't be forgiven. Somehow we feel like we are not able to stop and rest. That somehow we feel like we never measure up because we know the real story. It's one thing to watch the movie. It's another thing to read the scripture passage, but don't really get too close to us because you might learn something that you don't like. I love that the healing is paired together with the forgiveness of sins. You might wonder why in the world does Jesus say, um, get up, your sins are forgiven. It's because in those days that whatever you've done or whatever your parents done or your grandparents have done, that those sins are communicated through consequences that often are, were believed uh, to be medical difficulties. And so the paralytic man don't feel sorry for him. He brought it on himself. If he had lived cleaner, if he had been more appropriate, if he had confessed his sins, he wouldn't have this problem in the first place. I think sometimes we walk around wondering, why is all this happening to me? Wondering, what did I not measure up for? What is it that I'm being punished for? I think an additional piece in the exercise of not just writing out what you would do for a friend versus what you would do for yourself, but what does the scriptures say that Jesus would do for you? It's strange, right? We don't like to talk about uh, kindness to ourselves or loving ourselves or being compassionate with ourselves. It seems self-centered or narcissistic. But I want to be straight with you. I really do believe that kindness, the ability to be kind, starts when we know how to be kind to ourselves. That when we accept how Jesus sees us, when we're willing to really hear Jesus say, I forgive you, take up your mat and go home. Sometimes we miss out ourselves in the story. We assume that the story is always about someone else. That when it's on the screen or on the paper or when it's talked about around the coffee pot, It's never talked about us. But what if you knew? What if you knew how much Jesus loves you? How much compassion Jesus has for you? How much kindness Jesus has for you? The truth of the matter is that uh, tearjerker movies with dogs and Kleenex boxes are wonderful. But we all face those difficulties. We all face those challenges. Ben Witherington, uh, an academic, describes the demonstration of the four uh, friends carrying the paralytic man uh, to Jesus this way. They dared to do the difficult, the dangerous, the controversial. They had determination. You know, what's interesting is that we dare to do the difficult every day We dare to do the dangerous and the controversial every day. We either do it at work or we do it at home. You know, what I tell my wife, I'm not going to take out the garbage. That's dangerous and controversial. (laughs) 
We do things with great determination. What if we turned those words and that focus into accepting the love of God in our lives so that we might be a conduit for that love for others? The world's a difficult place where we all struggle with difficulties. When we begin to see that everyone has their baggage, everyone has their wound, everyone has their place where they didn't measure up, we are free to ask for forgiveness, to seek healing, to stand up, take our mat, and go home glorifying God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.